obviously we're going to talk about uh, a certain lion and this little problem he seems to have, but I want to bring up another one to you guys. If you're the New Orleans Pelicans, are you petrified about the fact that you drafted Zion? I mean, hurt in college, hurt in summer ball, hurt in the preseason, and now probably isn't going to play a single game until the 1st of January. I mean, are we thinking maybe LeBron James, or is this guy potentially a Greg Oden getting hurt a lot? I mean, I'd, I'd only be so concerned, but there would be some. I mean, dude's going to be put directly into load management from game one, but you can't be that big and that short and play that physical of game and not get hurt constantly. I know, but I mean, I'm just like, if this is your franchise guy, you want a lot better than four injuries in a span of six months. That does, yeah, that to me is a lost an ideal. <laughs> yeah. I you, mean, the guy did, open. did get hurt. He got hurt in college, too, and he but, could have gone to the pro and he decided to come back, right? No, no, he went right out. Oh. Like he, he, that, that's what I'm saying. He, like That whole shoe explosion happened his freshman year in college. He, he sat out for a while. They brought him back. He obviously was still amazing. Then he gets into summer ball, and then he had that amazing, like where he basically just ripped the ball away from the guy, slammed it down, and then two minutes later he had like something wrong with him. They sat him out for the rest of summer league. Then he gets in and plays in the preseason, has a couple good preseason games, and then he hurts his, he tears his meniscus. He's not playing until probably Christmas. He's going to be missing missing some games. Oh, that's so, so (laughs) bad. All right, all right, all right. You heard the intro. You know who we are. We got the the full roster today. Uh, And this is Hobo Pack 2.0. We we did one of these about a year ago. There's just so many things that happened in the last week that – Coming up with a clever title, we could do it, but we'd be doing a disservice to the rest of it. A lot of things to talk about. We've got trades. We've got guys getting dropped who absolutely needed to get dropped. So that's more of a celebration. We've got college football, NFL. It's just, it's all crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So we're going to talk about the one positive thing that we have on this, and that's because they didn't lose last week. Jay, we're going to lead off with your Spartans. We're going to lead off talking about your Michigan State Spartans, the fact that they have to play Penn State this week. I figure you get the most painful part of the week over for you and the most fun part of the week over for us and I. Just it's a fair compromise. So Jay looking no. into Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's Justin Mark in case anybody missed it. Um no. We we've got so much to talk about and I, I mean obviously college football is a big part of our show. We love we love doing it, but with everything else, college football is gonna be pretty quick this week. We don't have anything to recap from State last week. They did great, Jay. They made no mistakes last week. It was phenomenal. Uh, now they got to play Penn State. It's going to be a tough one. Obviously, Penn State's a 70% favorite in this one. I- I'm kind of a little surprised. Though. The spread's only six and a half. So you're not even like, mm-hmm. you're not even giving, they're not even giving a touchdown. That's how confident they are. Over-unders 40. That's about all the positive I can give you, buddy. I- 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 if you have no. more, please give it to me. But, I'm going to be real quick and and bold here. I'm going to say that spread, not nearly enough. That over under, not going to hold. I'm going to say that this game. I'm going to say this game ends with Penn State probably having darn near 35 points, and I'm going to say that Michigan State struggles to muster 17. So I'm going to say 35-17 Penn State. I you know what? I want you guys to win. I want to see State kind of rejuvenated a little bit and make it a little more fun when we play each other. But I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I don't know a single guy that's going to be able to uh, 
to cover that number. What's his name? KJ Hammer or whatever. Hammer or whatever. That guy is Ham Hamler. Yeah, yeah. Hamler. 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 He's just too fast. He, he's just too fast. So I mean, you keep him in check. You got a chance. I don't think you really keep him in check though. And I don't know that you have enough weapons on offense firing right now to be able to keep with them in points. So no. Thirty-five, seventeen. That's me, buddy. You're too kind. I didn't even give them 17 points in this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, the, the six-and-a-half line is, is interesting. The 44, I don't think they're going to go over 44. I'd take the under if I'd bet it. If Michigan could finally legislate gambling in some sort of app that I can trust, I would take the under, and I'm waiting for that day. Um, I also was wrong about all my under-overs and spreads last week, so I'd be uh, a man without any money in his wallet, but... I always feel weird when I go searching for, like, oh, that's a, that, that might be a valid point. Let me go find it. I feel like I'm taking something from Russ. Like, I don't want to touch <laughs> Russ's world. It's, it's, no, no, it's, no. it's his baby. I always feel weird, but I, I do have something I wanted to look up. Okay. Since 2014, State, coming off the bye, has alternated wins and losses perfectly. They can't be consistent when they get their free week of rest and repair. Um, we won in 2018, so I'm taking the loss just on that trend alone. Without looking at anything else, I want to see if this plays out. We'll probably lose this year, given how since 14 it's been alternating. Um, also, to help that out, we've only scored 10 points over two weeks, okay? So mm -hmm. I, I don't know which, you know, we talked about the Frankenstein of Michigan State. I don't know what the hell we're getting. I, I Honestly, I couldn't tell you. Um, I've got... Penn State putting up 27 and Michigan State only scoring 13. Um, it takes care of the spread. Uh, it's the under on the points. I, I don't know what I could confidently say, hey, we do this pretty well outside of our defense, but even our defense can have bad nights like Wisconsin. They can't be relied upon to do the same thing over and over and over. So I don't know what Frankenstein version we're getting. I just hope it doesn't have blonde hair because <laughs> I do not want to see Lombardi at all. I'd rather just let... Lewerke do his thing and just twerk all over the place and probably chuck up a couple of interceptions. So I'm not too high on them, obviously, as you can tell. Mm -hmm. But I can't be like, oh, the run game will be fine. No. And, oh, the depth will be fine. No. I keep seeing guys get put on the portal for Michigan State, and they're gone for whatever reasons. And it's not an indictment on the school, but they've got guys leaving left and right. We haven't had a consistent offense. Our defense is either lights out, decent, or, like, recently they can't just do it every week. So... I'm taking Penn State, 27, Michigan State, 13, if we're lucky to see 13 points on Saturday. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. Um, one last question for you, Jay, and then we'll get Russ's input. Uh, are you just getting really excited for, like, MSU basketball? Would that, would that, oh, yeah. We'll we're ready right to right lost our, What's that? Lost our uh, starting center <laughs> for the, until January. <laughs> Well, just, who I, needs I mean, a center? Yeah, who needs on. a center? Michigan has proved over the last 10 years, you don't even have to have a center on your team. Just shoot a lot of threes. Yeah, but we were ranked first overall already, and I don't like that either. I, 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 we need to be dogs. I always need to be the dog. So, <laughs> I... Cool. Set me up for more disappointment. Yeah. All right, Ross, over to you. Uh, I mean, it's. I don't think you're going to have anything different to say than we've already put in, but, you know, you always have the stats and the numbers. See if Justin if Justin didn't steal all of your statistics. Well, I, I'm almost exactly lockstep with Justin. I had a 28 to 13 loss. Um, Going to be a bit of a Rocky Horror Football Show going on there in East Lansing. Mm -hmm. um, probably comes in 
But Penn State, right up until that Michigan game, the most points they had allowed was 13. So I'm, I'm giving Michigan State the benefit of the doubt that they will score against this strong defense, but we'll get right back to that 13 high watermark. Why I think it stays a little closer maybe than, uh, than your projection, Eric, was Michigan State has actually won five of the last six games against Penn State. Sure, they did lose three to the transfer portal, and it's been pretty rough feeling-wise. But it, it's still a team that it's got a good defense when they show up. The offense is a problem, though. Um, looking at them against ranked opponents this year, MSU scored 17 points in three games. So 13 might actually be generous. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but, but seeing that it is by Penn State's got to travel, I, it won't be a complete embarrassment. I'll put it that way. Penn State's really good. The, the nearest game to this, Michigan State, got their asses handed to them. But they, I can't say too much being a Michigan fan. That same team handed our asses to us. Um, so, no, it's going to be rough. I hope it's not so rough, but yeah, it's, it's not looking good. There isn't a, a whole lot of reason for optimism. No, I agree. Um, we're not going to go too far away. I mean, we just played Penn State, so we got to talk about that. But, Russ, uh, I need you to do, just do a little math for me, a little configuring here. Now, okay, 2 plus 3 is, in fact, 5. Oh, that changes everything. I need to rework my, I need to rework okay. my scores. Um, no, no, no. And, and, Again, I, I'm, I'm having a little bit of fun here, so please, no one take this too seriously. But just work with me now. Now, we lost to Wisconsin. Yep. Okay. Wisconsin lost to Illinois. Illinois lost to us. I mean, who, well, you ever who, play rock, paper, scissors? Well, I'm, who's the best team in that situation? I just I can't figure who's it out Wisconsin? anymore. I think that was quick math. He didn't even yeah, need a calculator. No, I, I did not. I didn't even need to break out the toes to count that one up. <laughs> you use your toes. I knew that it had to be something. Okay. I kept running out of it after 10. I got to 10, and then I, I got stuck. Toes, well, that's a brilliant move. You get to 21. Yeah, I go to what? twenty. I go to twenty-four. What? I go to twenty-four, my friend. Um, I'm not a feet guy. You got to leave feet out of the equation. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not a feet guy. <laughs> okay. All right. Back, 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 back to the series. Now that we've, yeah, now that we've confirmed he's not Rex Ryan, yeah. what were we talking about? <laughs> we were getting ready to talk about Michigan against Penn State, and oh boy, this was a weird one for me. We lost, so you got to take it, it, it sucks from an aspect. But Russ, for me. The good I'm taking out of it, we finally saw a semblance of the offense you and I have been talking about for the last seven or eight weeks. We finally saw them open it up, throw it a little bit, not try to run the ball 37 times for 37 yards. We finally opened it up, had a little bit more of a spread feel to it, and Shea didn't do much better with that either. So, I mean, 28-21... In and out of the hands. In and out of the hands of Bell. That one killed me. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the, the homerism out of the way now. Some questionable calls early on in that game. I will say that. Some questionable calls. But the calls didn't kill us. Because guess what? At the end of the day, we still had a chance to tie that game. It wasn't like those calls early on took us completely out of it and we didn't even have a shot. We were in this game all the way to the end. Uh, an unfortunate drop takes us out of the play. That being said, Shea Patterson, 24 of 41. Those are Lewerke numbers. 
for one interception. Didn't like that too much. Uh, not interesting though, Russ. I don't know if you saw this. For the the two stars of the game for our like our highlight players, they actually had Ronnie Bell as the highlight player for Michigan at the start of this game. So someone went you know went into the future and saw that this guy was going to have a somewhat decent game because I I Collins, DPJ. Eubanks, I, I never would have picked Ronnie Bell to be the highlight player to watch for that Michigan offense going into this game. But, I mean, Russ, this was a tough one. This one was not an easy one to swallow, especially with the fact that we were right in it all the way to the end. And it didn't look that way to begin with. No, Going down 21 nothing start was not a big help. I, and really, I think that was the difference in the game. I, this came down to, like, two or three different plays, right? Like, if, if Bell can hang on to that one, we yeah. got a tie game. Absolutely. If they can just cover Hamler for one more pass in the second half. Uh, gave up 80 yards total in the second half. Well, that Metellus play, I, I don't know what Metellus was doing. I mean, you got beat. Yes, you did. But the problem was, if you watch that replay, once mm -hmm. he gets past Metellus, Metellus gives up. Metellus is not even, like, you could see Metellus not even remotely trying to, he wasn't going to catch him, but you know what? Effort, dude. I, I, I don't want to clearly see you giving up with 30 yards to go. He stumbles a little bit. You can, I mean, you, there, there are still opportunities. The problem was, you got beat, that's fine. But how on earth are you playing that tight on a guy that's a freaking, like, track star sprinter no one in the world is going to catch? In that, if you got that guy out there running that kind of route, you need to have a center fielder, someone that's just absurdly, absurdly deep, just on the off, just on the off chance, because you knew they were going to try to set up that home run play at some point. Oh yeah, no, you make a great point. Like that's what he does best is this deep shot. Guy's got tracks trigger at the speed, and yeah, you can't you can't one on one cover him like that, especially underneath. It was no. so it was a poor look on the defense. Poor scheme. They took advantage of it, and I really I blame that more than I blame Bell's drop. That's still a yes. It hits him in the chest. But that's still a tough catch to make. And how many fourth downs did they have to go go through on that drive alone to get to that point? No, I'm to the, that point. The Bell drop. To that point, though. Yeah. The um the fourth downs. How about this? How about going for it on fourth down? I like the it. The is actually being aggressive. Is, is let me ask you: Is this the best that the offense has felt all year, right? It's like, is this the most open and aggressive? I, I will say, feel, yes. Feel, it felt like this offense was a lot better. I think that's just partly because we finally saw something that we've been looking for. We didn't see a power eye, run right, run left, run right, didn't work, get off the field, come back in, short little pass. We finally saw, we saw Shea actually try to move the ball downfield. So yes, feel-wise, I, I will agree with you. This was the most enjoyable, I guess you could say, it's felt since, you know, for all this year. But I will say that, yes, the the bell drop, it probably wasn't the it wasn't the, the biggest mistake we made. The, the Metellus getting beat, that's just as big. The problem was it's for what it was for. That, that drop happens yeah. in the second quarter. It's a forgotten play. But the fact that it oh, was yeah. too tight this game, it was. Um, the thing I would have liked to have seen, and this is just me being me, you have two wide receivers that are, are just as, maybe not as fast, but relatively the same. 
They're also bigger kind of guys. Why the heck when you're on like the 10-yard line going in, why did I not once see you try to throw a jump ball to one of these guys who were being covered by 5'11 corners? We don't do that here. Oh, we, don't we don't do take it No, 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 no. I take that back. No, we, no, no. we do do that here. You just have to be wearing the number one jersey and be named Braylon Edwards for us to do it, apparently. Or, or playing in Chrysler. Because that's, that's the only time that we optimize height at Michigan, apparently. But, I mean, I, 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 and Russ, by all means, call me on this. I feel like the last time I saw them do that was a guy wearing number 88 on his back, and his name was Jake Butt. That's the last time I feel like I saw them throw a jump ball in the end zone. And it's because you knew he was going to get it. So that, that's what killed me. I, 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 I hate the bell drop. It, it really was not an enjoyable experience knowing what it was for. But I don't like the fact that you have these two guys in red zone situations, and your best thought is to run QB sneaks, and tried that. They, it seemed like when they got in the red zone, Harbaugh got back to conservative. He didn't want to risk it. And it's like, well, guess what? You're down 21 nothing. Risk it. 28 right. nothing is going to suck, but it's still nothing. Yeah, it's still a loss. It, it's so, still a huge loss in, in the conference standings there. So, yeah, it, it literally was a game, I don't want to say no lose, but you had you had to risk it all, right? Night yeah. game, whiteout in Penn State, supposed to be one of the most intimidating settings. Like everyone's expecting you to get your teeth kicked in, mm -hmm. cut it loose, go wild for as much as possible, and, and it took them getting down twenty-one nothing to get there. Yeah, I wonder what would have happened if they did it sooner. And mm -hmm. can, I, can I jump in on that too? Because the thing that bothers me the most, and, and I don't understand it because I'm obviously not a head coach. None of us are. But like, like you said, Russ, that was a must-win game. And if they had designed plays or, you know, Eric's talking about jump balls, like if you have not your desperation plays, but like we can do this effectively and we should because we have to win, I hate that sense of like holding back. Like, yeah, you're not going to be doing all your best stuff against Illinois. But it's just like if that's all they had and they needed to do it 24-7, like, Show us a flash of that every single week. Make it entertaining. Don't sandbag your own plays because then when it comes time to do it, I just I, I it, it's always off putting when people are like, Oh well they were saving that play, oh they had that drawn up. Like just beat your opponent. Yeah. Even if it yeah. means showing your best plays, yeah. just do it. Like that's all people are looking for, right? Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, I'm with you. we're gonna take we're gonna take a quick tea here. We don't ever usually break breaking news, but I would like to put this out there because we're gonna be talking NFL soon. It looks like the Mohamed Sanu trade was for a real reason with the Patriots. Mm -hmm. uh, Bleacher Report just reported that the uh, Patriots will cut uh, Flash Gordon as soon as he's healthy. So as soon as as soon as soon he's off IR, they plan to waive him. Well, he's going to be on IR for the rest of the season. Well, that's what I'm saying. He's so I guess this is just yeah, moving forward. This then. is them just letting you know that as soon as uh, Gordon's healthy, he won't be a New England Patriot. So it looks like Mohamed Sanu was for a real reason. And uh, if you're listening to this, whoever offered me the trade for him, I I'm good. I'm going to hold on to him for a little bit. Just, just see what happens. <laughs> um, no, back to it now. Uh, Jay, I, I, this question is more for us, but I want to have you give the input first. I talk about your quarterback. You gotta, i got to give you every opportunity to talk about mine. With the performances we've seen this year from Shea, if Harbaugh wants to keep his job, how much longer can he fully justify not having McCaffrey on that field at some point. I mean, you're going with what you got against big games, um, but 
I mean, I'd hope, I'd hope by Michigan State, you're seeing McCaffrey under center. Like, I, I don't, I don't think Harbaugh is ever in. Like, he's probably in jeopardy of his job, but. I, that, you know, that's such a hard question to actually answer. Well, let me ask you. You say it, you hope. I, I enjoyed watching Patterson against against uh, Penn State. Like, I didn't mind it. Like, it was an it was an entertaining game to actually watch, but. That's because you're using your full playbook, I feel like, you know? like. No, I agree. But do you say you hope? Do you hope as a Spartan you're seeing McCaffrey, or do you hope as a <laughs> – well, I'm asking, as a host of this show, speaking as, you know, down the middle as you can, do you hope as that you see McCaffrey, or are you hoping as a Spartan because you think McCaffrey's the easier opponent? Oh, I don't care who the hell you put under center. We're, I mean, when it comes to our game, we're still going to win. It doesn't matter to me, but – just as, as, as understanding the universe of Michigan football, I think you know what you're getting out of Patterson. But yeah, I, I was like, oh, he'll fumble the ball. He hasn't fumbled at one. Like, he actually put on a decent performance and took care of the ball like he should. He threw one pick, but I just, you almost have to keep rolling with you. You're this far, you might as well keep going, but I would, I think it would be beneficial if you get to see McCaffrey at some point because I don't think Peterson, uh, he's not starting the year for you next year. It, it's got to be McCaffrey under center next year when you start again. I agree. I agree. Ross, I said the question was for you. I gave Jay an opportunity. It's your turn. How much longer can Harbaugh actually justify McCaffrey not being in this game at some capacity? Well, he's, he's going to justify it for the rest of the year unless Patterson gets hurt. I mean, I think we saw it with Illinois uh, two weeks ago now. Rain, shine, rain, sun, sleep, uh, losing by a bunch, looking like dog shit, doesn't matter. Um, it's going to be he's a Shea show unless he gets hurt. And he's a senior, so, yeah, we're not going to see him back next year regardless. But, yeah, I, I really think Patterson actually looked better last week. I'm still not saying, hey, he's the quarterback to lead us to the promised land necessarily, mm-hmm. but I felt more confident with him. I, they actually opened up a little more and let him use his legs, and they're still, like, use the wide receivers the right way, and I don't know that McCaffrey is any better at that necessarily, and we're kind of in the thick of the season now where you can't be experimenting as much. It, it, we kind of have our horses, and you live and die by them. It's more like die, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but I'm, I'm not as sold on McCaffrey, so I, I think he's going to justify it for the rest of the season. And it's going to be the end of the season that it measures his job, it measures his job security, not necessarily which quarterback gets him there. I'm with you. I, I personally think that if you're Harbaugh, you need to at least get McCaffrey sometime. Uh, McCaffrey looked okay when healthy, but he did not look like the guy that's going to turn around U of M when he gets his chance at the helm. So I'd like to see a little bit out of him, especially if, you know, if we're playing these kind of games and Shea looks. Shea did look all right last week, but if he looks like anything we've seen previous, I, I don't know how you can say that Patterson is that much farther ahead of where McCaffrey would be on the field for us. But we'll see what happens. Um, like I said, we got a lot to talk about, so let's get to the predictions. Um, the spread, there's, there's, as of right now, ESPN has it at even. No points given one way or the other. The over-under is 51. Yeah, it moved. So yeah, it's moved several times in the last couple of days. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen yeah, it jump around a little bit. So right now we're sitting at even. The over under is fifty one. Uh, the, the one thing I want, and this is where I think it would be interesting to hear the, what you guys pick as scores. Uh, right now, Notre Dame puts up about 
close to 60 yards more than we do a game. But we allow 60 yards less on defense than they do. So How about that symmetry? It's, that's what I'm saying. So it's, it's going to tell. Where do, you, where do you put your favoritism in how this game is going to go? Uh, Jay, I'll let you go first here since I, I went right after your Spartans early on. I'll, I'll, I'll let you go here. Like I said, it's even spread. Over-under is 51. Well, get the over out of the way. I'm taking the over. Um, wow. The, the line, I kind of understand the line because I wanted to know. The, the reason why I want to know something is because I think that's also the answer to who wins the game. Mm -hmm. And it has, to be, it has everything to do with offense. I saw how much they're giving up and how much um, Michigan gives up in terms of yardage, and I think that's practically a wash, like the Cemetery Russ was just saying. But on average this year, Notre Dame has been gaining 6.9 yards per play and Michigan's at 5.6, and then conversely, giving up five yards per play, and Michigan is at 4.4. Um, I just, I think these teams are pretty like similar in a lot of ways, but I, I'm going to give the edge to Notre Dame on offense. Um, I think they're going to be able to have their Hambler moment where it's a busted coverage in the secondary to take the lead, um, and getting right to it. Um, I've got Notre Dame 34, Michigan 20, so with the over and a 14-point difference between both teams. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, Russ, a little, I mean, not that you probably don't have every single thing I'm about to say sitting right in front of you right now, but uh, uh, Patterson's got about I don't know, 100, 100 yards more passing. Uh, Book's got about four or three or four more touchdowns. The rushing, you know, pretty pretty close. Jones has got him by about 100 yards. Receiving, Bell, I'll, I'll beat their leading receiver by just about 50 yards. So, I mean, everybody's pretty close. It's not like one team's monumentally that far ahead of the other. So, even spread over under 51. Like I said, we, we uh, they stay they get about 60 more. We give about 60 less. So, mm -hmm. so I, I buy into Michigan giving up 60 less more. Um, talking about a lot of these counting stats, and it, it's fair to point out that a it's been a similar production, mm -hmm. uh, but we need to throw some context in there. Who in the hell has Notre Dame played? Um, they lost to Georgia, right? And that's their only ranked opponent. It was in Georgia, granted, but it was a 23-17 game. Um, Michigan's had to play defenses like Iowa, Wisconsin, Penn State, um, and they're similar. So if, if we're going to continue to talk about those counting stats, throw the context in there. It shines a light a little bit brighter on Michigan. Um, now look at the kind of their, their record here. Since 2006. The road team has won this game one time. Mm -hmm. That's it. So, it, yeah. Yes, Michigan has lost three of the last four to Notre Dame, but the only one they won was, well, it was at home, as I, as I just kind of hinted at there. So Notre Dame has a consistent offense. Uh, don't turn over the ball very often, uh, but not super explosive. So think Penn State, but less explosive. Mm -hmm. Iowa, but more talent, right? Like, you kind of see what benchmark is. You kind of see why this spread should be within one plus or minus on either side. Um, I don't think games typically get decided by plus or minus one unless you get some crazy scores going on. So I have a little bit bigger. But I got a 27-24 win, um, mainly because of that home field advantage. Harbaugh has sucked against top ten opponents, one in ten. But he has been good at home. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm betting that one wins out a little bit more against Notre Dame team that should they be in the top ten? Uh, I think we're about to find out. 
Okay. I like it. Um, to answer that question, Louisville, New Mexico, Georgia, Virginia, Bowling Green, USC. Those are Notre Dame's uh-huh. games this year. I agree with you. USC is about the only one you can make a case for being another big name. Virginia is number 18 in the country, but neither of those teams are knocking on the door of the playoff. So I'm with you there. I agree. Um, I'm also, now officially, I, I before I was good about allowing it, but now I'm going to mandate it. Russ is never allowed to go before me again because <laughs> literally the exact score I had, 27-24 win. All the same reasons. I, it, it's like great minds, my friend, great minds, because I agree with you. Uh, th- this, this is that kind of thing. You're seeing a, an Iowa-like team, a little more talented. Penn State, all, all these things I, I totally 100% agree with. Uh, the scary thing is it's the Notre Dame game, so black magic can happen. I've seen it before. We'll see it again at some point. But I, 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 all right, I'm going to put this out there. Assuming Harbaugh and Gaddis learned something from that Penn State game, I think we need to expect to see the same offense we saw against Penn State out here if we want any chance of success. If Harbaugh gets stubborn and if Harbaugh, 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 I can say his name, gets stubborn and goes backwards, you're looking at a monumental crash over the rest of the season. I don't think he's going to do that. I think he saw that, hey, if we spread it out, there's not too many guys that can hang with us for all four quarters. I mean, like you said, Russ, we were up 21 nothing at one point on us, and we came back in that game. So I think we need that. That's why I think it's going to be 27-24. What scares me is I think we need to expect kind of a similar game as the Penn State one. I think we're going to be very slow out of the gate, which I don't like, but I just think that's their way of getting motivated, and we're going to have to – but I don't see us letting it get that far out. I don't expect this to ever get more than maybe 10 points away before we start realizing we've got to kick it into gear. We can't come from behind that far behind. So uh, I'm with you, though, 27-24 win. Uh, I got a couple bets on this game with some people at work, so – it better be a win. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say. Ooh. Got a little action on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, moving over now, we're going to talk a little uh, NFL. Uh, lot, 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 lot to talk about. And um, if you listened to a little tease at the start of the show, um, we talked about injuries, and I said we were going to mention the Lion. Uh, <clears throat> I want to recap the game. I want to do the prediction for us against the Giants. But real quick, I sent this in a text last night uh, when they announced it. Carry on going on to IR. Um, and I don't want to be the one to ask this question because I want to believe this is just a weird coincidence and it's just a singular thing and it's not going to be a recurring thing. But, Justin, if you're a Lions fan, as much as we all love Carrion and we have expectations that he's going to be a real good back for us, do you have to start kind of wondering, is he also maybe going to be an injury-prone back? Two years, two times going down with injuries that are not out for a week with, uh, you know, with turf toe. This guy is out-out for a while. Oh, yeah. No, there's, it's, it's undoubtedly, because, <clears throat> first of all, injuries itself and repeat injuries and always consistently banged up is one thing, but if you subscribe to the SOL, it's, it's just a glaring thing that mm-hmm. is going to happen eventually. So it, it makes me worried about death. That's why, like, for the past two years I've said that you know, this team is like on thin ice. If Stafford goes through the ice, so does the rest of the team. We can't let that position group become a weakness of not having depth. So they, you know, we pray that carry on healthy, but they need options. McKissick is great for the third down, and 
you're going to use Ty Johnson and almost every other down outside of that, and I, that's still probably not good enough. So um, I am worried. I'm both, you know, his health, one, because it's reoccurring, and two, we can't just be a one-back team. That's not how the NFL works right now. So there's there's a lot of concern there, without a doubt. No, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, Russ, any, any different feelings from the consensus of the panel? No, not really. Uh, just the one thing to add is maybe this is why they were managing his carrier, his carries early in the year. Mm -hmm. like maybe this is why we weren't seeing you know fifteen plus carries in a lot of games because they were already clued in on this that he might not be as durable as we hope. Yeah. No, I I think, and it makes me wonder though, like if if you were trying to limit his carries and you had questions about him. Why is C.J. Anderson, why was C.J. Anderson released from this team so quickly? You cannot think that Ty Johnson was that much of a workhorse that you were going to be able to have him be a quality second back first year. I just, I, I don't see that enough. Especially with the fact that Carrion was, did get injured last year, so you got to wonder if he's a full 100% or not. Right. I think they just got to a roster crunch that they had to pick, and they bet on trying to manage Carrion, and and that if it came to it, they'd be able to pick up someone who's close enough to C.J. Anderson, which I don't think that logic's too wrong. Mm. I, 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 can see where I can see where you're coming from. Um, you would think that would be a, you know, enough to flatten our spirits. But no, we have more. There's more. <laughs> no, uh, it's, six hours it's not later. O- yeah, it's, it's six hours later. It's not over. The pain continues. Uh, last night, the Detroit Lions decided that, hey, you know what? That Quandre Diggs guy. I'm just not feeling it anymore. So Lions traded safety Quandre Diggs to the Seattle Seahawks for a fifth-round pick in this year's draft. Oh, and we also gave them a 2021, I believe, seventh-round pick. So given a lot, I don't know about the return. Um, As soon as it happened, we started talking, and obviously your first speculation is, hey, maybe we're seeing that whole Tate and Snacks 2.0 thing. Maybe we're getting rid of something to set up for something big. Um, Russ, i got to ask, I understand getting rid of Diggs for that in some way. What good does that fifth-round pick do us in return if you're trying to build the package? Yeah. I would have liked it's something a, a little a higher. Yeah, no, I. Uh, my biggest problem with it, well, I have two, is okay. the timing and the return. So, yes, we can look at last year and go, hey, they got snacks for a fifth. Well, snacks is coming from a Giants team who wasn't going to compete, and is older, and is more expensive. He's more effective, granted, but that's a lot of negatives that the Giants really didn't care. So the Giants were kind of bent over a bit or a letter trying to get anything for him. And he's on, uh, on a deal that was well, not something that they wanted. Yeah. Diggs signed a reasonable extension in September <laughs> of this year. Right? We, Lions had him for two more years after this. Right? That's cost control. Now, granted, it's not his rookie deal anymore, but still, this is, oh, it's so frustrating. I I get that they're super excited about Tracy Walker and Will Harris. I get it. But again, Will Harris is, like, six games into his career right now, seven games. Like, what are we, what are we doing? You are, you're not dealing from depth. You're dealing away depth, right? Mm-hmm. This is a strength, and you're taking it away um, for what? You're not, you're not getting better anywhere else. And, and you hope 
that the fifth round pick turns into something or that they can put it as part of a package to get something else as far as talent goes. But I get the logic behind it that they think he's replaceable, but the timing doesn't make any sense to me unless something else big is coming well in the next week. Yeah. Um, listen, was Diggs all pro, all world right on track this year? No. He was, he was not playing phenomenally, but he also is still a, a veteran safety who made up a quasi-decent secondary for us. If Will Harris is the guy and they see something, obviously these are football guys who their whole life is watching and evaluating football. So if they see something with Will Harris, I'm all for it. Right now, as a Lions fan, I have to trust you that you maybe know what you're doing. I don't know. We've seen enough GMs come through here that had no clue what they were doing, but we'll see. The thing that gets me, and I don't know if you guys have seen this. I don't know. It may not bother you guys at all. It, it bothered me a little bit, though. The second that the, the theory that the reason, one of the reasons Diggs is gone is because they see enough in Harris that they feel like he can step into that role and be effective. The second that happened, the only thing I've seen since then is them is people just posting after posting after posting uh, Harris getting beat on that run play uh, against Minnesota and again uh, Dalvin Cook and that's great. But what bothers me about that is one that's one play out of I don't know how many plays he played in that game that you're posting. But the other thing, he scored on that play, which means he beat ten other guys on that play. So you know what? You know, I, I'm sorry. Let me. Let me. I, that that's not fair to say. The the left corner and the left linebacker had no chance. He beat eight other guys on that play. So you know what? If that's the fan you want to be, that you're going to pick a guy apart for one play, go back and look. I, I I know for a fact I mentioned his name a couple times a few weeks ago for big plays he made when Diggs went down hurt and Will Harris had to step in. Am I saying that this is the the second coming? No. But you know what? You haven't heard Will Harris got beat on that play very many times this year, and the one time you are seeing is against an all-pro running back who we pointed out last year or last week has not had a great career against us. He was due for a breakout game. It happened. And guess what? He makes a lot of other safeties miss too. Some of them are a lot better than Will Harris. So, as much as I, you know, I don't like that kind of stuff, I, I think it's ridiculous to point out one play where. Cook was going to score anyway. Harris was not going to stop him on the one-yard line. It was just not going to happen. So it, it, it gets under me a little bit. But uh, Oh, yeah. And it's disingenuous, too, to pick out. First off, rookies get beat. That's why the rookies, mm -hmm. that's, again, why the timing doesn't make sense doing in the offseason. But the Lions right now are facing the most plays on defense, 68.4 per game, more than any other team. So you're going to pick out one of those? To try and to try and prove your point. Like, yeah. Come on. No, I, I I completely agree with you. I I think we're on the same page here. Um, Jay, you you seem to want to be the new stat man. You like to find those little things. So I'm going to give you some numbers now. Oh no 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 We put out a po we put out a poll on the po uh, on the podcast Twitter yesterday, asking right after the trade happened, we wanted to get the feedback of the fans on what we what you saw this trade as. We gave you three options. Just a Lions-type move where it's never, never going to make sense to us no matter what. Um, expect a lateral pickup, meaning you're gonna, we're going to get someone of the same value back, whether it be trade, free agency, yada, yada. Or something big is coming, meaning just like with Snacks, we traded away someone, we scratched our head as to why we did that in the middle of the season when he was a valuable player to us.
and then before you know it, oh, that's why, because we got this guy. So 59% said it's just a Lions tight move. We're never going to know the reasoning. Uh, second to that was something big's coming. So fans either think we've got the same old Lions from years prior or we've got the same old Lions from last year. I want to ask you, as that cynical Lions fan, which one are you thinking it's going towards? Same old Lions or we're going to see something in the next week where you're going to realize, ah, that's why you did that. I was hoping that that moment would happen while we were recording today because I think that there's something, there's another part to what just happened because it mm -hmm. just doesn't make sense to me. Like, looking at other players and former players of the Lions uh, responding to it on Twitter, like, they don't have to go to Twitter and do that. They could just text the guy. They got his number. They worked with him. Like, they're doing it on purpose. So there, there better be a second half to that because I wouldn't want to go to work on at Ford Field today knowing all the backlash in the media and you know, former players and what they're saying because that's putting pressure on those people to figure out what the hell they just did and why. Now, they don't owe anyone an answer, but there's got to be a second piece to it because saying, oh, we're excited for Will Harris, that's like, well, no shit. He's next in line. If you throw your bed, if you throw your bedroom, I'm sorry. If you throw your bed out your window, you have to think, "Hey, I'm excited to sleep on the floor." Because that's all you have left. So <laughs> I, I just, you can't be excited for what is next in line, and you can't have all the things that happened in the media yesterday. There's got to be another piece to it, and that, maybe that's me just being hopeful. But like, let me understand why you did that, because the man himself didn't know why he got traded. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm with you, but um. It happened. We obviously we got a, still a week to learn. Maybe there was a reason behind it, but um, just for the sake of things, you know, we're already here. What, what do you say? You guys want to talk about the players we do actually have on the team? I, it's worth a shot. I guess we could just read off all of the tweets that each of them sent out about how mad they are about this trade. I mean, that'd be a good checklist to see who's on the roster. Yeah, I know, but I told you we were pretty tight for time. I don't know if we have time to get yeah, through yeah, all good those. Call. Yeah, we don't have three more hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, let's, well, you know what, let's give it a shot. I just want to see. Let's talk about the players actually on this team and see if we can put together something. Uh, I don't know where any of them were last week when we lost 42-30 to 30 to the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Oh my God. Listen, Russ, you, you, you said it. Cook didn't necessarily have the greatest numbers against us going into this game. He's got some better, he's got some better numbers now. Yeah, he's got some better numbers now. 25 carries, 142 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Kirk Cousins, 24-34. 337, four touchdowns. Uh, to me, I honestly, in my head, was going, you know what? Adam Thielen went down. We've got a chance. Uh, and it didn't appear to make any difference whatsoever because Diggs, seven catches, 142 yards. Kyle Rudolph, been non-existent on this team this year, decided he wanted to play and uh, had, had a pretty decent game. Listen, this was, uh, this was not good from beginning to end for us. There were flashes of maybe we could get back into this one, but I just it never really came uh, came to fruition. Marvin Jones can't you you can't ask for anything more than Marvin Jones in this game with you know ten catch or ten catches, ninety three yards, and four touchdowns. And guess what? He didn't even have the most receiving yards in the game for a Lions receiver. That's that's when you know how hard we had to try to do this. It, Danny Amendola eight catches, one hundred and five yards. Um, Listen, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Someone please reel me back in if, if you think I'm crazy. I honestly do believe this is the best overall game we have seen out of Matt Stafford this year. 30 of 45, 364, four touchdowns, yes, an interception, but 
let's be honest, Matt Stafford, you're going to sling the ball that many times. We can't guarantee you're going to complete all of them. But I will honestly say this, to me, felt like the best game we saw out of Matt Stafford this year. That's not a terrible assessment there. This was the most points that Minnesota had allowed to an opposing offense all season. Mm -hmm. And the, for as bad as the defense was, also the most points the Lions have allowed in this season. <laughs> yeah. um, he did keep them in the game, and apparently it was only Marvin and Danny, <laughs> Danny Amendola that were out there, but he really was able to work them into production. But he kind of uh, playing through something Justin had asked me, only three other times in the history of the NFL has a one wide receiver had four receiving touchdowns and the team lost. Stafford did his part. He, he did something that isn't very common. Mm -hmm. and, and it just wasn't enough, apparently. But it's not because of him. No, I, I think you're on to something. That was one of his best games of the year. If not. To me, I think, it, it, I guess another way to word it, because I know I brought it up a lot in preseason, and I'm going way back here, but... I know I brought it up a lot in preseason. If it wasn't his best game, it to me felt like the game where he most seemed to be completely in sync with what Daryl Bevel wanted to do. It didn't look like you saw him making a lot of changes it, here and there when he needed to, but it just seemed like the offense for Daryl Bevel's offense clicked for Matt Stafford. He just he always seemed to be able to find something. Now, granted, we didn't we weren't able to capitalize in all the areas we wanted to, but you throw four touchdowns to one guy, you clearly were having a day with that guy, and it just seemed to click for me. I saw this is the most comfortable Matt Stafford has looked in the Daryl Bevel offense since Daryl Bevel came to Detroit. That's, that, I guess that might be a better way to word it. He's definitely had more efficient games than this. Yeah, I, I can get behind that. Yeah. Too bad nobody in the running game we can say the same about. That, see, that's the problem, too. Um, yeah, Justin... The guy I want to actually talk to you about, just because I, you can throw a good for you in there. I know you have him on your team. Um, he, oh, he, good for you. Yeah, oh, good for you. He, he isn't Ooh, necessarily like lighting. The, I like the whisper version. That's nice. Yeah, you're welcome. He isn't necessarily it's the after hours version. <laughs> <laughs> he isn't necessarily lighting up the box score, but I, I, I see a lot of contributions all throughout the field. And that's TJ Hawkinson. We oh, were. God, I don't want to talk about him. We're going to talk about him. Okay, <laughs> listen. We no. When, when they drafted him, we. I, I know we all. You know, had had our questions as to why there were other players there available that were, in our opinion, more suited for the needs. But as I look at it, he seems to be a jack of all trades for this team. Is he going to be our leading receiver? No. Is he going to be a a good you know check down every so often? Absolutely. But what I see from him. He sells out on everything. You want him to block 12 times in a row, he's going to block as hard as he can 12 times in a row. You want to go to him on three consecutive plays where he's got to go across the middle, good. Tell him he's got to do it a fourth time, he'll do it that time too. I just, To me, I feel like TJ Hawkinson is a dream tight end for our Detroit Lions in the fact that he is almost a complete tight end. He can catch, he can block, he can do everything you need him to do. Yeah, no, he's, he's an all-purpose weapon on offense. It's nice, but the reason why I was like, oh, God, I don't want to talk about him, and I am going to start with my fantasy team, but then come back to reality, okay. it, it's because I go up and down my roster, and I'm like, quarterback, running back, running back, wide out, wide out. I look at my tight end, and they go, ooh, what should I do there? To have Hawkinson. And I know productive-wise, getting points-wise, he's dropping the ball in the end zone. 
I, I have nightmares of how many times I've seen him drop a ball or the process doesn't get completed or he's out of bounds or there's a stupid penalty. I just Some of the dumb luck that circles around him is annoying, and I hope that's not a problem. So we just got rid of a tight end who couldn't catch a damn ball. But the, the redeeming value, and it's probably more than redeeming, it's his number one quality, is the jack-of-all-trades that he is offensively, even when he's not a part of holding the football. So he, he has clear value. I don't know first-round value so far this year, because mm -hmm. that really hasn't come to fruition, but he, he, he is a stud by far. But clearly he needed a stud on defense opposed to offense this year. But mm -hmm. everything is you know, nice to look at once you know the future. All right, well, listen to your host here, Jay. Make sure TJ's in your line this week, because we're about to talk about our Detroit Lions against the New York Giants, and I'm making a prediction that I think – TJ is going to be the impact player in this game. I just I have a feeling about it, okay? Stay, just, just trust me on this, and we'll see where it goes, because Lord knows I'm winging it, too. Um, <laughs> the blind leading the blind. Blind leading the blind. It, it'll work. We'll get somewhere. Uh, listen, Giants, not a very good football team. Uh, I've heard now that we have a chance to talk about them in an actual extended period, as good as he is, I guess we could say good. I use air quotes playing. I think they rushed Daniel Jones into this situation. I think, you know what, you weren't going to be good this year anyway. Let the guy sit and learn a little bit more. Especially when your number one player goes down, sit the guy. There's no reason to get him beat into the ground and get him to develop bad tendencies. We've seen it with other quarterbacks, and yes, some of them can flourish in that situation. Others never recover. So... I, I while I hesitate to say he's he needs to get off the field as soon as possible. The guy's got eleven hundred passing yards, eight eight or six. I don't know these numbers are really small. Eight or six touchdowns to seven interceptions. So he's 50. getting old, bud. Well, I listen this ESPN thing that looks like six, so I'm gonna say six. Uh, six touchdowns to seven interceptions. He's a fifty-fifty guy. Saquon Barkley is questionable to play in this game. Sterling Shepard is questionable to play in this game. Two of your offensive weapons will not more than likely be on the field for you. So, I just don't understand. Eli's been in these situations. Eli's the more poised veteran. Why do you have a rookie quarterback in there getting himself beaten to the ground when you don't need to? He can learn just as much from that sideline. So, this is me giving the you know, Giants a little more input than they need. Uh, Lions are an 80% favor on this. Spread 6.5. The over-unders... 49 and a half, so basically 50. Russ, when you're looking at this game, you want to believe this is a tee-up, go-for-broke kind of game where the, the Lions can maybe get back on track on all aspects of this game. Or do you see trap game? I, unfortunately, unless we have another trade coming right here, I kind of see trap game because there's a lot of distractions. And neither defense has been playing particularly well. This run defense that was lauded as one of the top five, top ten in the league, um, 28th in the league right now as far as rush defense. It's, it's not been good. Oh, and you're going against Saquon Barkley, who he was limited in practice, but it looks like he's probably going to be out there. Um, I still think they pull it off. That seven-point spread looked small, um, but it seems about right. I got 27-21 Lions. Just keep the Giants offense off the field for a little bit, and, and, and everything will be fine. Just don't have the most defensive plays in the league per game. That'd be great. Yeah. That's your key. To I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, 
I'm going to be quick. I, I, I gave you my opinion that I just think if Saquon and Sterling aren't in this game, that's a lot to overcome. Granted, Slay is questionable. Mike Daniels is questionable. But then again, Mike Daniels has been questionable since the second he signed on to play this year. We have not seen a lot out of him. Um, I will say, though, like I said, coming off a week where I felt that Stafford got the most comfortable in Bevel's offense, I think this is going to be that next step. Listen, we didn't have much of a running game last week, and we still managed to put up some points. So don't be surprised if it's going to be the same thing again. We were going to be a couple weeks without carry-on, assuming we don't make a big deal in the next couple days. I have this as a 24-17 win for the Lions. I just don't think the Giants have enough all-around talent right now in the way they're playing to be there. I say trap game because, listen, this is the Lions. The, we could honestly be the one that gives the Dolphins their first victory if we played the Dolphins. So, I know. Uh, so, <laughs> I think it's going to be, I think this is one where, to me, it feels a little bit like an Illinois game. We should tee off on them, but at the same time, we also are very capable of letting them stay in this game. I meant Illinois in the way of U of M, Illinois, by the way, just so no one gets oh, confused yeah, as to where it. I was going. Um, so, I, I think that we should be able to handle this, and fingers crossed, Flowers, Jared Davis, Snacks, Daniels if he can play, Okora, Kennard. I want them to have a sack party on on uh, D Jones. Show him that you know we we can get after this guy. Make it a little bit of a rough day for him. I think 17 is generous, but I, I'm also just trying to play it safer. So I say 24, 17 lines. Jay. You know, I'm, I'm glad that no one's trying to blow smoke up each other's asses because we're all kind of in the same realm. Um, my notes were watching the injury report as well. Yeah. And I've got this. If I if, again, if I could gamble in this state, if they would please just help me out here, I would hammer the under. There's no way these two teams are putting up north of 50 collectively. Mm -hmm. No carry on, no digs. You got players that are pissed off about digs leaving. No Saquon's. Tate's first game against the Lions since he got traded. This game has way too much baggage, and they haven't even played a snap yet. So for that. It, it, it's going to be dirty. I, I can see a 17-10, a 14-13 kind of game. Nothing too crazy. I, I've got the Lions losing in an ugly game, 13-17. Okay, that's fine. Uh, it's it's not the ideal situation, but hey, you, we, we call a trap game. You see it. There we go. This should be a game. No baggage. Yeah, that's fine. I, I, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to go into an argument with you. Um, I am, however, because we're short on time, we, we still have play of the week, game of the week. I'm going to let those be the wrap-up to the show. So for a few minutes here, I'm going to let Justin have fun. And by that, I'm going to say, Justin, Jonathan Erickson isn't on the Red Wings anymore. Oh, dude, I, I thought we weren't doing play of the week because that's my play of the week. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that Erickson got placed and cleared waivers this week is by far the highlight play of this calendarized week. It is beautiful. It happened. It's gone. He's gone. Goodbye. Bye-bye. I don't want to see you again. So uh, we did talk about play of the week, but for a guy who probably forgot to bring snacks to, like, his Little League games and his, his midget games, and he was probably the kid that brought, like, an apple when he did for the rest of the team, goodbye. Go away. You are such a big man, and you are a big waste of talent. So he probably really likes me. By the way, the, the smile on my face when I got to say that for Jay just brought me so much joy. So... You know, I'm not even going to edit it. Jay, is this really going to be your play of the week? 
Oh yeah, I, I don't take that back. My play okay. of the week gets it right here on my we're, we're, we're not gonna, uh, When we get to play of the week, we'll, we'll set it up for you, but there's not going to be any audio. It's just going to be Justin smiling and laughing. So here we go. Um, yeah, Russ Erickson's gone. That, that's got to be a bright spot, but guess what? This is the Red Wings. That bright spot comes, and then they find a way to bring you right back down to earth. We lost 5-2 to two to the Vancouver Canucks last night. And gave up five goals in one period. That's the kicker. That's the really that, 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 I, I wanted to hold on to that for the very end. <clears throat> I have two questions for you. And, Jay, I want you to weigh in, too. But I have two questions for you. My first one is a little more personal because this is my fantasy team, so I'm going to be a little more edged. How much more time can the Red Wings really justify Jimmy Howard as a contending starting goalie? For this team, when you give up five goals in like five minutes. The stats, the salt, the sanity, and every so often they talk about sports too. Here is Eric Dorsch, Russ Ivanek, and Justin Marcus. This is Armchair Sports Talk. Alex Lafreniere and Quentin Byfeld look really stupid good. Uh, yeah, they can justify that the rest of the year for all I care. <laughs> Jimmy has not looked good. And this helps us get to the bottom even faster. They are they are dead set in a 50-50 tandem mm-hmm. with Howard and Bernier. And there's no reason to think that'll change. Um, Howard kind of played at times last year like he should be getting 60-70% of the starts. Not anymore. This is a clear split at best, and even if one of them gets hot, that might mean a 900 tape percentage. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's abysmal, and this defense is not doing a lot to help them either. No, I so, agree. Yeah, they'll justify it for the rest of the year, but he's not a starter on anything close to a playoff team. Yeah. Okay, so that was my first question, and Ross, this, this one's for you too, just so you know, this one's for you. Okay. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, not in the same room, got to clarify with some people. Uh, with the Wings playing the way they're playing, how much more, or, I mean, with these performances, how much more of this is justifying the fact that younger talent needs to start playing a little more? Because we're not going anywhere anyway, so you might as well get them experience when you can. They need to try them in different situations, 100%. Um, I, I don't need the look that we saw of Tilkla and Nielsen on the second line together. They desperately need to get secondary scoring going. Give a guy like Svechnikov a shot mm-hmm. uh, with some with some increased usage. You know, he got he got pulled up recently with uh, Ernie getting hurt and Cole Erickson uh, being waved thing again. Woo! Mm-hmm. Uh, bye bye. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, give guys like that more of a chance because there's nothing going on outside of that top line. Captain you does not have it figured out right now. Hiroshi is. Good on the power play, right? He can feed Mantha one time, but he's not doing shit else right now, but that's kind of what we expected. So, yeah, try some of these guys. When Ernie's back, try him in higher usage. Give it a shot. You literally are getting nothing from your secondary scoring anyways. Try somebody else. I, yeah, I know. I, I like it. I, you know me. I'm, I'm a proponent. If we're not going anywhere, you might as well give the youth a chance. Let them get some experience so when the team does start trending upwards, we kind of have an idea who's going to come with us 
and who are guys we can look to maybe move away from that were, I mean, not mistakes, but maybe just weren't the right decision at the right time. So, right. <clears throat> Justin, you heard the two questions. Justify Jimmy, justify the youth playing. No, I, I, when, when Howard got re-upped and he got his one-year <laughs> first answer is deal, no. <laughs> no, because if he's just as good as... If he's just as good as Bernier, why the hell give him the air? Let yeah. Bernier be the starting because you're getting just the same and get Jared Carroll or whatever else we got down in Grand Rapids. I haven't looked at it in a minute. Let them come up. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't want to see Jimmy Hart. I didn't want to see Jimmy Hart. This is what I was afraid of. You got one guy making like $750,000 a year and one guy making like two point whatever, and they're doing the same. Our goal differential is negative 12. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that's not going to cut it. We're down at the bottom of the standings. I this is why I didn't want Howard to begin with. Listen here, I, I I'll, I'll give it. I'll give you this. Uh, Bernier's two and two. Jimmy's one and four. Bernier's got a three point zero three goal goal allowed, or goals against. Uh, Jimmy's just shy of four. Save percentage. <laughs> Bernier's nine oh five to Jimmy's eight ninety eight. So the only thing they're similarly close on is the save percentage. Other than that, one of them appears to be a little bit better than the other. Same guy, just a different number. All right, not gonna cut it. All right, so but can you justify <laughs> with with how this team is? I know you, you're you're one of those guys. You want to get as low as you can to draft as high as you can. Do you justify that younger players need to be getting some experience so we aren't just collecting all this young talent that we don't really know what we already have to begin with? Last night, Spetsnikov threw a punch in a scrum and smiled, and it made my heart warm and tingly <laughs> and fuzzy. So yes. The more, the more the youth gets to play, the happier I am. So I, I need more smiling, especially if I was punching people. I'm with you. There you go. All right, all right, all right. Last, last thing, wrapping up this show. Uh, I don't have to ask Justin his play of the week. Justin's play of the week, Jonathan Erickson no longer on the Red Wings. It's a good one, Russ. If, there, if we have a lot of Detroit fans voting, it might be hard to beat. We're going to try, but it might be hard to beat. Justin, you don't have you don't have song for the play of the week, so I'm going to ask you, what's your game of the week? What is your NFL game of the week? Um, because I'm just thriving in drama, I'm going New England, Cleveland, because Lord knows OBJ will get fined for some clothing or too much clothing or not enough clothing. Maybe he'll come out naked this week. Never know. But uh, Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield, they're going to have a lot of media questions to deal with if New England does what they did uh, to the Jets recently as they do it to them. They're rested. Um, I don't know. Cleveland, Cleveland's on the hot seat, and I'm tuning in for that show. That was a rough, rough game to watch uh, for those Jets. <laughs> Sam Darnold looked bad. I mean, I, I, I want to sugarcoat it for you. He looked bad. If you're, a, if you're a New York sports fan, you're not very comfortable with your NFL teams right now. I'm sorry. And we're Lions fans, so me saying that says something. Um, that was bad. It was tough. And it is the Patriots. You have to, you have to understand that. It's just they're they're a step above everybody else right now. They they've clicked into something. I I don't remember the last time I've seen a, a team play as well as the Patriots are playing. Uh, so yeah, no that that'll be interesting to watch. I honestly I get to see my favorite quarterback play my new or, you know one of the new young quarterbacks. I'm a big fan of. I'm excited for that one. Uh, Russ, over to you. I'll just give it to me as the package. What's the play of the week? What's the game of the week? So play of the week, I. Uh kind of join in the misery love company part. I'm going to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick pulling off a little Fitz magic to do the unthinkable, the unheard of, something we didn't think was even possible. 
he almost had the Dolphins win a game late in the fourth quarter. Like, he, he brought them within three points on an 11-yard touchdown run that included him dropping his shoulder into a defender. This Miami team is so bad that just being able to will them within a score in itself should get him a Nobel Peace Prize. Ross, were you, playing, were you playing Madden and you imagined all this? No. Okay, this is real. Oh, okay. I, I, sorry. Yeah, this really happened. Right? Said, uh, no, you said, that's, that's dolf- you said Dolphins in close game. I, I had the question. Yeah. I'm sorry. Now, now, they ended up giving up a touchdown shortly after. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it was a 10-point spread. But still, for a brief second there, there was hope in Miami, and that was probably the first time all year. So that that alone made that a pretty special play. All right, well, here, uh, here's that. Voting for Jay. Yeah, that's fine. Here's that play. Sound a little something like this. Miami trying to get down as quickly as they can. Fitzpatrick, Hughes couldn't get him. Fitzpatrick now is going to run it. Fitzpatrick at the five. Fitzpatrick, he is in for the touchdown. All right, hit me with a game of the week, Russ. Game of the week, I am going out west. 49ers, Panthers, um, could be an NFC playoff preview mm-hmm. here. Get to see a couple up-and-coming quarterbacks that came from unlikely sources here. Uh, should be good. Both defenses playing well. Both offenses good in different ways. Um, if you're looking for good quality football on both ends, this is probably the best one I see on the schedule. No, I think, yeah, I think that's going to be one heck of a game. Uh, I, I honestly, if you told me at the start of the year the Niners were going to be as good as they appear to be, I, I would have told you to uh, load up the pipe because you're clearly smoking enough. You might as well have one more. But uh, uh-huh. they, they are one heck of a team right now. Um, and then the fact of adding Emmanuel Sanders to this team doesn't hurt him. Definitely doesn't hurt him. So, yeah, it's okay, I guess. Yeah, it'll, it'll do something for you. Uh, no, I, I like that game. Uh, that was one I, I had highlighted. But uh, it, me, this week I decided not to go sensible. I decided I'm going to go with a game that I just think we're going to see a lot of offense. And uh, I'm actually going to take the Cardinals-Saints game because I, I'm a little surprised. Cardinals, or the uh, Saints don't seem to have dropped off too much without Drew Brees. I mean, obviously it's Drew Brees, but Teddy Bridgewater's playing some very good football. And you have to wonder, not Drew, did Drew Brees lose his starting job, but do you really rush Drew back? I mean, they're winning, and they're playing good football. So, And then on the other side, you have Kyler. I had as my questions, do I think he's the new heir apparent? No, but do I think he's one heck of an athlete and fun to watch? Absolutely. And you're throwing to a guy like Larry Fitzgerald who's just racking up the numbers. So uh, I think that's going to be a very entertaining game to watch. Uh, should be a lot of scoring and uh, should be fun. That and, you know, it's, it's Larry Fitzgerald. I want to see this guy get as close as he can to Rice's records. He's got a long ways to go. So throwing the ball a lot, Kyler. Uh, as for my play of the week, I had this one picked literally on, uh, like, Thursday after we wrapped the show. I had it all ready to go because my boy, Phil Mickelson, almost pulled off the Happy Gilmore, almost pulled off the hole-in-one on a par four, teeing off and literally rolls up and knocks the flagstick and ends up a foot from the hole. Not something you see very often, and when you do see it, it's amazing. So you put my favorite golfer of all time doing something like that together. I don't care if I get zero votes. That's the best play I saw all week. be tough on pace of play. Well, this is launched extremely high and going towards the center of the green here, Phil. Well, look at this. He let that one go. Settle down. Oh, it hit the flagstick. 
Oh my goodness, she almost makes her one. Look at that, it stops about eight inches away. I love it. Um, it was just, Unashamed, I love it. Yeah. He, he could have put it in the cup, though, so. Uh, yeah, it would have been awesome. It, it could have been better. Score. That just lets you know how great it was that I'm, he didn't even make it, and I still think it's it's good enough to get there. Uh, no, it's, it's a bunch of good plays this week. I, Russ, I think we're both going to lose to Erickson getting dropped because it was just so good. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. You expect to win if I don't even vote for myself. That's true. That is true. Uh, <laughs> my thanks to uh, Justin Marcus for doing this, buddy. I really appreciate it, man. Another great show from you. Hey, I got the best play of the week, so it's, it's a victory, and I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah, that's all that matters, man. <laughs> uh, Russ, Jay tried to take your stat job this week, but you know what? You overpowered him. You showed that you you are the superior stat man. As always, make us sound a lot smarter than we really are, buddy. Uh, it, it's always fun, and even more so when I get to defend my crown. Um, we get to pout about Detroit players no longer being Detroit players. Well, now we get to watch a couple of them try and win the World Series. It's just misery all around. Thanks, guys. It's been fun. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. Misery all around. I definitely agree with that. Uh, because I'm the only one still talking, I'm going to say Houston in five. And as always, I'm your host, Eric Dorsch. That's one small step for us, one giant leap back in Detroit sports broadcasting. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. <laughs>